why are we doing it? It's not just because we, you know, uh, need to to fill a KPI, but it's 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 because we will actually perform better. Tuva Flagsta Andersen is the regional manager for DNV North Europe. Her passion for maritime industries started from an early age and she has been in management positions for DNV both in Singapore and Finland. In this episode, we learn how she ended up in DNV, her best advice for people trying to create an exciting career, how she sees her leadership philosophy, and what's next for sustainable shipping. This episode is brought to you by Nord Shipping. Nord Shipping is at the center of the oceans. This is where the maritime and ocean industries meet every two years from across the world to connect, collaborate and do deals to unlock new business opportunities. This is your arena for ocean solutions. See you at Nordshipping in Oslo, 6th to 9th of June 2023. All opinions expressed by Christopher Warnheim or his guests on this podcast are only their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Warnheim. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Christopher Wohnheim as a specific reason to invest or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This episode is produced by William Fransen. First of all, Tuva, thank you so much for taking the time to join me for a conversation. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. If you just go all the way all the way back to the beginning, what do you think led you towards the maritime industry in the first place? Well, uh, I always knew I wanted to be an engineer. Um, math and science has always been my favorite subject. Um, and then angling it towards uh, some practical issues was always fun. Um, and my father is an engineer from Trondheim. My grandfather was an entrepreneur who started a factory. Uh, and then I grew up by the sea. Uh, so I've been sailing all my life, having uh, a family boat. I've been a sea scout. So choosing marine technology came naturally, I would say. Very interesting. So there were no pressures from them. You just got inspired by by looking at them, sort of say. Yes, absolutely. I've I've always, well, I, I come from a family of, of engineer, but it's, it's always been uh, very close to, to kind of what I was interested in. And what do you think were some of the important milestones early on, either a mentor or a specific project? Were there anything in particular that really sparked your interest going into the DNV company as well? Well, DNV, I, I grew up at, uh, in close to Hervik, so I very often uh, were actually laying on the on the quayside uh, at Hervik, uh, looking at the, the sailing boats, actually that the 11 meters that the DNV had, uh, and also at all the, the the clever people going in and out of the company. So, so that was one of the things that uh, I, I kind of always knew about the company and thought it was a cool place to to work. Very interesting. So in all those years, you never had any idea of trying something else. You really felt home in this industry from the get-go, or did you have any aspirations to maybe try something else? Because it seems like you have decided you have decided to stay in this industry for a long time ahead as well. Yeah, well, I think the the, the maritime industry uh, has uh, so many aspects to it, uh, and so many challenges, and and also potential for development. Uh, and it is the maritime industry is a very important part of the the world's infrastructure, moving goods uh, across the globe, um, and combining that with being a very global business. Um, I always loved to travel and explore new places. Uh, when I grew up, we we my fa- father worked several 
places like in Tanzania and Bangladesh. So we traveled a lot and I always wanted to to work in a company or, or in a sector that was global. And that's very much the maritime. So combining tech with the global part, as well as, as solving some of the, the big challenges that uh, we're up against now, I thought it, it always been um, been an industry that has uh, been very intriguing to me. So, so what was the original story on how you ended up at DNV? Was it just that you knew pretty early on that you wanted to be there or was it a bit of coincidence? I got a summer job the year before I uh, I uh, was finished with my studies, um, and I actually uh, my my master thesis I wrote for our competitors Bureau Veritas in in Paris and uh, living in Paris for six months. Um, but then I came back uh, afterwards and I was contacted by by one of the head of sections that I met during my my summer job at DMV, and he said we have a position and I think it's perfect for you. So then I I applied and I I got it, starting as an approval engineer uh, in the company. Okay, I understand. So, so what do you think makes DNV a truly unique company? I mean, one aspect is, of course, the large history and legacy. But what else do you think makes DNV a truly unique player? Well, first of all, you said you said it is an old company. It was founded in 1864, so, so we're soon 160 years old, uh, and it's built on on competence uh, building and and experience. Uh, we have our own rules and standards, and and have improved those over centuries, which has given us a position in the maritime industry as a competent uh, and independent partner. Um, so, uh, you know, having and we're also having now several legs to stand on. We have our energy systems, business assurance, digital solutions and more. We keep expanding continuously. So we have a breadth of experience uh, to capitalize on. But I think the competence heavy is the truly uh, unique part of, of, of the company combined with, with experience. I mean, you touched upon it already, but what do you think is the secret for a traditional company like DNV to stay relevant with new solutions going into new industries? I saw a place that you, I think you spend 5% of yearly revenue in new developments, new technology. Do you think that is like one aspect of what makes DNV a forward-looking company that they always want to invest in the future? Absolutely. Uh, and as mentioned, DNV is a very competence-heavy uh, company with lots of clever minds. Um, so our, our people and our experience gained over years and years is the core of our deliveries. Um, so we always strive uh, to live our purpose, which is to safeguard life, property and the environment. Um, and as you said, the, the fact that we uh, do invest 5% of our revenue every year on research and innovation um, to, to exactly ensure that we stay relevant, that we also look forward. We have our energy transition outlook where we look forward in, in, in time to see where, where the world is heading, um, make us stay relevant and also keeping our people competent. Um, and I think, of course, we are a, a foundation. So the independence makes us also, we're able to, to juggle uh, the directions we want to go. So I think that's important. And it's a big uh, passion in the company to really stay both relevant and also uh, forward leaning. So we have done uh, a lot on development. We were early with digitalization, uh, early with decarbonization um, and taking a, a, being a thought leader on, uh, on these uh, major subjects for the industry. Interesting. What do you think has been the most rewarding project you have been working on? Because you've done quite a lot in your history at DNV. Do you have any highlights so far? Uh, well, one highlight, um, and if I look at my my career, I very I knew very early that I wanted to lead. Uh, from taking a leading role in my scouting group to being part of a student executive board at the student network, uh, PM roles in DNV, 
I, I'm a little sister, but uh, when being asked, uh, I always uh, said that I was the big sister because I wanted to take take the lead. So, so one big um, important milestone would be my first leadership position. Uh, I was 32 years old. Uh, I'd never worked uh, in a consultancy uh, nor as a line manager before. However, I was believed in and given the trust to shape a newly established consultancy group in Singapore. Um, and when I started a job, we were four people. And when I left Singapore about two years later, we were a large unit with, with many sec sectors um, or sections. Um, and I was really at the deep end. And I learned that um, that's where I really perform my best, when I have to ensure that I'm 100% I'm sharp um, and are really at the edge of it. So I think that was a, a really... I was, you know, I was super stressed at the beginning, but then when you see that you manage to navigate through it, uh, that gives a really large or huge feeling of, of you know, being empowered and that you can tackle a lot. Yeah. But do you also think, given that experience, that you also have to be comfortable, comfortable being thrown a bit at the deep end in order to have that development as well? Because maybe a few people shy away from that because it can be a bit uncomfortable at the be beginning, at least. Absolutely. And I, but I think, and I think that's what, you know, it's always, I, I've been triggered a little bit, at, as you said, at the deep end uh, uh, and seeing with such a big uh, challenge, um, I really, I, and saw that I was, you know, of course I made mistakes as, as everyone, uh, but I was able to navigate through it. Uh, and I think it was very important that I was given the trust, uh, you know, so that somebody believed in me um, and made me also you know, stronger believe in myself. Uh, and then at the same time, you know, being at the deep end, you really need to be sharp. You cannot just, you know, you need to be very, very focused. So, um, uh, and then I have, I have was another quite rewarding project. I was very fresh in DNV uh, and I was given opportunity to, to uh, work in a project of developing a te technical help desk, which is now known as DATE, Direct Access to Technical Expert. Um, and it was fairly innovative um, and where we combined customer experience with uh, and centricity with hardcore technical competence. Um, and at the time I had a leader with a mission and that was to make people blossom. Uh, and he gave me big challenges and opportunity. As, um, and, and part of that, why this was so exciting was that I, as a very young and fresh employee, I got an exposure and network across the DNV organization that I really valued moving forward in my career. Interesting. So, I mean, now we touched upon you've been deployed to Singapore, but I think you've also been deployed to Finland. So I just wondered, what are the reflections of, you know, having gone abroad, lived in another country? I think it sets you up to have an international career, knowing that you can, you know, be in different cultures, seeing, you know, different types of way of doing business, etc. Do you also think that's a very good uh, idea for people who want to have an international career to also try to go abroad a bit? Absolutely. I think for me, it's given great uh, opportunities. Uh, working in a different country uh, with different cultures gives you a lot of experience and exposure and self uh, kind of learning and self reflections because you cannot just apply what you normally know. You need to navigate, uh, you need to listen and you need to kind of sense uh, where where you're at, you know, and and in Singapore, it was was in a way fairly easy because thinking that you know it's it's so it's Asia, it's so far away, it's different. Uh, so you you so I wouldn't say you know you're very alerted to the fact that you need to to be um, sensitive or to to their surroundings. Uh, so it was almost like a little bit more of a of a, 
I wouldn't say shock, but but uh, issue in in Finland because you know it's our neighboring country. I thought it would be, you know, fairly the same. But but there's very many more like subtle differences that you needed to to pay attention to, and and um, so that was also very a very good experience. I I would definitely recommend uh, being able to do international assignments. I think it's it's a huge uh, development potential. Um, both times I've had my family with me. First time with very young, uh, just one small child, and then later with two children. And for also for the whole family, it's an experience. So uh, so my children are now asking, when are we going out again? <laughs> so. <laughs> Very funny. So, so just since you since you've been in Finland and Finland, um, a lot of the times get ranked as the happiest country in the world. Did you, did you get a feeling on what's the secret sauce in Finland? Well, I think they they have this uh, kind of hardship. They're not, uh, you know, they just keep moving. Uh, they're extremely trustworthy, uh, and they just they just keep moving and and building one stone after the other, you know. And 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 I think that's part of it. They're 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 content with with you know being. Um, really dedicated and and uh taking it one step at a time not expecting you know everyone to to uh, have bells and whistles for you all the time so i think that's maybe part of it i i know one big theme that you are tackling a lot is of course the decarbonization piece which of course the whole industry is tackling so what what is your approach in in having um a great impact in how we are able to decarbonize the shipping industry because i think that's a, a topic you care very very much on Absolutely, I think it's uh, it's extremely important. We know now with the IPCC report that came out last week, uh, you know the world needs to take action, and and the the sector, the the shipping sector needs to take their part of it. Um, and I think in a way, a little bit fortunate for for Norway and the Nordic region. Uh, we're quite forward-leaning. There are also very many good governmental fundings and political support to do this. So it, it, it enables us uh, in a quite a good way. Um, and I think as as DNV, our role here is is again, you know, we have our energy transition outlook, our maritime forecast to kind of draft a little bit of the the picture uh, for the the industry of where we're we're heading and how they can navigate given that. Um, and then also, of course, supply safety uh, to the new rules and technologies that, and, and fuels that are out there um, and, and to really be forward leaning and, 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 uh, and assisting uh, and, and, sure, and, and enabling the industry to do this as fast as, as possible. It's also fair to say that from your position, you don't want to also just pick the one winner in technology or fuel, but you rather want to help all the different solutions get the right regulations and help them, you know, in terms of safety issues, etc. So it's not about, you know, picking the one thing that could work, but also making sure that all the different types of solutions get the guidelines to, to sort of try and see if it works out, because it's hard to know exactly what the solution will be, I guess. Absolutely. And I think, again, if we're going to do this fast enough, we need to move in, in many dimensions and directions. Um, and it's very big differences, you know, with the, with the, the deep sea trade and, and the local ferries. And so, so there's so much variations here and we need to, to, uh, to look at all the variables. We also know that there will be, uh, you know, a little bit of, of you know, uh, energy is a little bit scarce. You know, we need to ensure that we divide the energy in the world the right way in order for it to be the most energy efficient and um, also uh, environmentally friendly. So it's important here that we have a lot of options uh, to to to, uh, to reach from. But of course, for the the, the the shipping companies, they also need to to make some bets, uh, and that's also why I believe it's important that the whole value chain 
is is part of of uh, some of these uh, projects uh, because picking a fuel is is one thing but somebody needs to develop the technology somebody needs to build the infrastructure and somebody needs to ensure the supply um and somebody needs to pay for it <laughs> so i think everybody needs to 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 pitch in to ensure that this actually goes um, so so i think the collaboration my my um, my boss knut erbeck nielsen keeps saying that collaboration is the fuel of the future and i think that's a very good statement uh really important so true do do you trust the market to figure this out or do you think that it also maybe will come with a politics and a carbon tax to really get things going or do you feel, think companies will try to solve this by themselves or is it hard to only think the market will solve everything well, the maritime industry is compliance driven. So, uh, you know, we need to to be forward leaning to push the regulations and develop technology uh, and new solutions. And I think also to make it a level playing field, you know, uh, not so that somebody do big investments and, and you know, uh, so I think there's a there's a combination, but it needs to be driven also by regulations, uh, financial incentives, um, in order for the industry to move. But but with those things in place, the industry is very uh, innovative uh, and, and very, you know, very good. Um, the technology challenge, I think, is, is uh, that will be solved. Uh, and, and we see it already. There's very many possibilities. The big engine manufacturers are making new engines. There's lots of, of smaller companies having... Uh, you know interesting solutions so so it needs to go a little bit like this but but definitely with the right regulations uh, to give a level playing field i think is important but, but just to end the decarbonization piece how optimistic are you that we are going to to get the goals that we are wanting to get well i have to be optimistic and and also being uh, because <laughs> it's our world um but also in in this region, we pilot a lot. You know, when we we see we we see a lot of initiatives, and now it's just about getting that scaled, um, some scalability to some of these projects, and figuring out kind of the all the the, the little the missing pieces. Uh, so I I will say I am optimistic. I see a very forward leaning industry, and and the topic is so high on the agenda. So I believe we will we will move forward. I hope so too. So let's switch gear to to leadership because I know you also care a lot about that. So. If you look at your own leadership principles, uh, what are those based on? And also, what's the hardest principle to live out in practice? I believe uh, leading with passion and enthusiasm. Uh, really leading from the heart. Uh, we're all people. Uh, we need to be seen. Uh, we need to develop, to to thrive and to blossom. Um, and the greatest deliveries are not the ones done by a single person, uh, but through the power of a well-driven team. Uh, and here, I believe that diversified teams are, are very important. Um, and and for, for a well-driven team, it needs to be a team that has trust as its foundation, who can challenge each other with new perspectives, new ways of thinking, but of course, also with a clear direction towards a common goal. And that then a team can really lift mountains and have fun doing it, which is also you know important. Um, and then talking about what principle is the hardest, um, I think making sure that this, this passion and enthusiasm is kind of drizzled through the organization. Uh, I currently lead a region covering about 300 people in, in 14 different countries. Um, so we need to ensure that we all pull in the same direction. So, so to have kind of my, I'm coming up with a message and to have that really been understood in the same way throughout the, the organization in order for all of us to move in the same direction is not always easy. 
Very interesting. Just uh, if we take those points you mentioned there, do you think that those principles and ways of leading are always in development? Or do you feel like now you have the structure that you like to, to work from? Or do you think it's a constantly evolution that you learn new things and also try to implement that? I don't believe in anything being uh, static, uh, and I keep telling uh, people that it's it's changing, and that's how we that's where the magic happens, you know, by us really, you know, learning something new, adopting that, moving us forward, continuously striving to to, to be a better version of of ourselves or or the team or the organization. Uh, so it's not static. Uh, but what I do believe is in is also the authenticity of leadership, to being an authentic leader. Uh, so I'm you know, I'm a leader version of, of me and I don't want anyone to copy me, be your own best uh, version. Uh, and through that also, you know, pu pulling in some personal parts into my leadership. Uh, and I, as a person, hopefully develop through through my lifetime and career and, and also apply that to my leadership. And also just on diversity, because many companies, maybe especially in the maritime industry, says that it's hard for them to get the right diversity on board. And of course, it can be a lot more than just gender, of course, but that is maybe the most easy one. But how is your view on the general you know, diversity discussions going around? Do you think it's a hard thing to get right or do you think it's it's easy if it's executed the right way? Uh, both, I would say. Uh, I think... It the, the, the foundation here must be why do we need diverse teams? You know, it's because we actually know that they will perform better. They will tackle a challenge in a more complex way and they will complement each other uh, in order to ensure that it's not just an echo chamber, chamber of a uh, single idea, but that it's actually uh, more things are, are enlightened here. So, so, so that's kind of the foundation why we need it. It's because it, we will perform better. Uh, and then, to succeed with diversity, we need to kind of the, educate the, the decision makers, the leaders and those who are recruiting or putting teams together. Um, and we need to challenge our unconscious bias uh, to be aware of our potential blind spots. Um, and we need good role models. Uh, we worked very de dedicated with uh, this in, in, in my unit, which is a very male-dominated uh, uh, part of the organization. Uh, and we see uh, great progress when we actually kind of educate and put this on, on the agenda. Um, so it needs to be continuously discussed. And the why, I think, is very important. Why are we doing it? It's not just because we, you know... Uh, need to to fill a KPI but it's 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 because we will actually perform better we believe uh, and I think it's of course important to in the maritime it's very often referred to as gender which which is is of course very important it's a huge part of the workforce that is not participating in the maritime industry due to or you know with the, the few females but I think also different mindsets not always having everybody with the same engineering background maybe somebody having a different maybe sales background commercial mindset uh, maybe Maybe with some social economics. So different mindsets will also make a team uh, perform better, I would say. Very good point. So a lot of people tuning into this podcast are young professionals. How do you think they should design their career to try to have an impactful career like you have managed to have? Grab the opportunities that are there. Uh, really do that. I've raised my hand, I think, uh, and sometimes I say, oh, why did I do that? Well, I don't have, you know, time or I don't, you know, to have the capabilities. Uh, so uh, grab the opportunities, be proactive. Do not always wait for somebody to, to kind of pick you. Uh, be determined and be clear on what you want and, 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 and why you want it. Uh, but you should also be uh, ready to, uh, to work hard and put in the efforts uh, required. 
because that's a lot of times it's also just to to uh, have the stamina to to be uh, yeah to do some of the hard work as well um but i think uh, grabbing opportunities i think that's what really has been giving me lots of of interesting uh, yeah opportunities and and maybe that also plays into you know not be so static and have like a static plan because you know one part is to grab opportunities is that maybe you don't know when they will come i mean timing is hard so i mean maybe that's also an important factor then to also try to also be a bit serendipitous and grab opportunities and don't always wait for the perfect timeline because it may never arise absolutely and the perfect timeline is never there uh, and i've all you know i thought you know if i got that job then it will work and that you know and and to be honest also even if i'm i'm sitting with with uh, quite a large uh, responsibility and, and leadership position now there's been many jobs i didn't get and i've been so disappointed you know i've been like oh that was the perfect job um even even actually my my uh, I I applied for a job in DNV before I got the one I when I entered in DNV and I thought it was the perfect job and I didn't get it and I was crushed you know, so so don't again I think everything has uh, has its way to to work out if that opportunity shuts down a new one comes and and I'm I'm uh, completely agreeing with you that uh, do not have it as a static plan because you will then be either disappointed or you know so you need to really go with the flow and 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 just you know see opportunities uh, out there definitely so if someone considering maybe trying to join dnv what do you think is um, the best pitch of why they should really consider joining your company because i think you're a great ambassador i think maybe you've been there for nearly 20 years maybe i'm wrong there but around or just uh, just uh, 20 years i just passed for two years in january so a long time i didn't think i was going to stay but uh, but really with all the the opportunities so i think that's kind of maybe what what made me stay there's so many opportunities uh you know i've been able to travel all over the globe shorter stays longer stays um uh, but also working with so many competent people, I'm I feel honored to be honest. Uh, there are always somebody who can deep dive into any topic, and they're so eager to help you. You know, if you come with a challenge and go down to the technical unit, and there's you know always somebody that would like to to help you and to see you succeed. Uh, so I think being part of that that network, which is a global network, but yet at the same time you feel that you're. Um, you're among uh, people who want you uh, want you to succeed, and it's probably a fantastic starting point as well. Just because of the reasons you say, right? So if you want to get exposure, maybe you're not sure exactly what you want to do. Maybe this is the perfect starting place because all the exposure you can get in so many different fields. Absolutely. So I think that just you know get in and then start to navigate and and talk to people and again grab opportunities. So that's uh, very important. So just uh, to the last segue, we have some rapid fire questions. If you are ready for them, can we dive into them? Absolutely. So the first one is, why do you think Nord shipping is an important arena for DNV to be on and also other players in the shipping and maritime industry? Well, it's so many stakeholders gathered, both, uh, you know, on the technical side and decision makers. Uh, and we like to see ourselves as, as you know, uh, a competence organization gathering a lot of the community. So I think having a lot of people here in, in Oslo is 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 great. And it's great for network. It's great for displaying of new technology. Um, so I think it's a very important arena. And uh, I think uh, I'll be very busy in that week in, in June and looking really much forward to it. Uh, and also to meet new uh, customers and broaden our network. Work. So uh, it, it will be great. What's your favorite activity to do outside of work? 
Well, I have, I mentioned I have been sailing a lot, but that was maybe, you know, when I was, was younger. But I think I must say to be with my, my family and, and friends, uh, I do love to travel to all parts of the world, the more exotic, the better. Um, and uh, I do very much enjoy the mountains. Uh, we are in the process of building our own cabin at the Blefjell, uh, and I'm so looking forward to, to spend time there with, uh, with family and friends in the years to come. Do you have any highlights from exotic countries you visited? Oh, yes. Uh, I've been in a baptism in, in the countryside in Philippines, for example. That was uh, really, really cool. Um, I've, you know, I've been in, in Tanzania and, and, uh, and uh, you know, in Bangladesh. Uh, so I, I think, uh, and, and when we lived in Singapore, we had our young daughter. She was just a few years old. And we just picked her up and, and took her along with us. Took a long weekend to Tokyo or, or into the, the, the bush in Malaysia. So, uh Many, many adventures and, and hopefully many more to come. So cool. Do you have a book you could recommend to anyone listening? Uh, I do. Uh, well, I always loved John Irving. Uh, and I think The World According to Garp is my favorite. It's uh, it's uh, it's old, but uh, there's so many layers of that that I really find. Uh, I, I, I really love that book. Perfect. Which problems would you like to see more startups try to solve? Well, I think that uh, easy solutions of, of uh, use of data and digitalization, um, the world is becoming so techish right now, uh, and we all need to to uh, to use all those uh, solutions. So have easy, user-friendly solutions, I think is important and, and uh, will have a big impact. Perfect. And just the last one, what's the best way to live a meaningful life? I believe it is to have fun uh, and of course to have work that is meaningful uh, and exciting and positive it needs to be positive uh, and of course to have loved ones around you that you can laugh and share with uh, so all in all to have balance that's the perfect ending Tuva thank you so much for joining it was a privilege having you on thank you for being here it was great if you like this episode and the content we produce you need to check out our newsletter called the Fransen and Wohnheim Letter. You can find more information in the show notes. And also, if you want to see this episode, head over to my YouTube channel. Just type in Christopher Wohnheim. See you next time.